Hey folks, this is Brian. Do you like listening to the commentary tracks on movies? Well, we know we do. So you know what you can do? You can tune in to us at Neuronomy.com on March 2nd at 5.30 p.m. to listen to our live Oscar podcast. That's right. For the second year in a row, we are going to be giving the Academy Awards the nerds on film treatment that you know and love. Tune in. It'll be awesome. Thanks. You're listening to Nerds on Film with Sarah Ashley, Brian Moriarty, and Sean Moriarty. So I'm going to pose this question for everybody, um, but I know Dave especially would be probably really good at this because you are Mr. Rom-Com. I am, yes. What is your favorite movie to watch on Valentine's Day? Hmm. Well, I do enjoy 13 Going on 30. It's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Massive. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm not. I'm, you I'm fucking not. twat. <laughs> wow. 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 Brian. This really un, like, unnecessarily awkward. Brian's been hanging around Sean too much. Clearly. Sean, wow. remember when you talked about like how you've been influencing the podcast? <laughs> I think yeah. your transformation is complete. Yeah. Um, and the reason Come why the I like 13 going on 30 <laughs> was when that movie came out, Jennifer Garner was kind of in her heyday-ish Right, because she was in Alias. I think it was probably in its second season at that time. Total heyday, David. She was in Electra and Daredevil. That was like when she was the best. (laughs) (laughs) The best. (laughs) Moving Uh, on. There's that cutting away. (laughs) Good one. Uh, But no, I I was a fucking 13-year-old who got to see a girl every week not only kick ass but wear like skimpy clothing. Of course I'm going to like have – it's like spank bank material. Now she's starring in her own movie, and it's a rom-com? How hard am I? I mean, how many deposits? Everybody, you just, you just opened the door to Dave's childhood right there. Uh, how often how many that deposits did the you theater? make in the spank bank? There's like a 13-year-old kid uh, with a raging heart. From, from Alias alone, probably three or four. Uh, <laughs> let's see. But I do, I really do appreciate rom-coms. Like, um, while this movie is a shitty, shitty movie, it is a, it is a guilty pleasure. It's down to you. With Which Freddie one? Prince Jr. Uh, and Julia Stiles, awful movie, oh, absolutely yeah. awful movie. Yeah. It really is actually a pretty but awful movie. But it's but it but it's because it is so dripping in just rom cominess that you just like you, you just get sucked into just. For how a second, awful I thought I said rom communist, <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> we are going to do, like, we are going to champion rom communism. Yeah. Yes, we all go to see it. It's, it's a classic tale. It's Soviet <laughs> Russia. Movie romances you guys. <laughs> It's a classic story of it's a classic story of boy meets girl, boy converts girl over to socialism, and then they decide to uh, boy meets girl, boy convinces girl of the flaws of the capitalist paradigm, and And then then, at the very end they all stand in a bread line together. (laughs) And then then, then boy meets in bread line, share a quarter of a loaf. What I, oh, what I, what I will say, though, is a lot of people line. don't know is that Down to You is actually the prequel to Les Miserables. So, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, really? Shut up. Okay. But, no, uh, no, but here's the thing. You're, like, you're saying all these rom-coms, but you're not like, where's like the when Harry met Sally? <laughs> I will say, the granddaddy, the one that really gets me as being like the best rom-com ever is When Harry Met Sally. Okay. It, yeah. And it, it is because it is the quintessential to me rom- romantic comedy where Billy Crystal is at his A-game. 
Meg Ryan is hilarious. And Rob Reiner's um, mom is you know, <laughs> the best. It's just, it's just a great movie. And, it, and it's that story of love that really kind of just wraps me in with most rom-coms. This one does it better than most, right? I mean, there's a million rom-coms. But this one does do it better to where you actually do want to get have them be together. And you like the fact that they're going to be together at the end. Mm. Sorry, I spoiled it. But it was made in the 80s. Get over it. <laughs> okay, well done. You Sarah, what movie would you prequel. watch? Well, hang on. When you mentioned uh, that it was the prequel to Les Mis, sorry, I was Les Mis in my head for a moment. Oh. I was just thinking, oh. look down, look down. It's Freddie Prince Jr.'s career. Look down, oh. look down. I think he's. No, I'm pretty sure the Scooby Doo killed him. Oh, sad. <clears throat> yeah, that was, that was the nail in the coffin. Mm. To answer your question. Yeah. So here's my thing is I actually really, really dislike Valentine's Day for um, some pretty deeply personal reasons that I'm not going to talk about. But types of movies that I would like to watch, shoot them up. <laughs> That's a good one. Sin City, I'd probably watch that. Some of my favorite love stories that I don't watch on Valentine's Day, but I watch, you know, just on the regular is um, Moulin Rouge, one of my top five favorite movies, and um, Amelie. Amelie's a really, really Ooh, good one. Amelie's a great And so movie. I feel like for a lot of people, that's probably a good Valentine's Day movie. Good I just, choice. just wouldn't be me. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Roxy. Oh, um, okay. I'm thinking about it. I'd have to go with a classic film, uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, yes. that's a good one. Um, as far as... That's so yeah. delightfully racist. <laughs> it's one of Sarah's favorites. <laughs> it's so terrible. It's so terribly racist. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, what can you do? Um, <laughs> what can you do? It was already made. I'm just going to just gloss over it. Eh, what can you do? Gloss it over. So Whatever. why do you like Breakfast at Tiffany so much? Um, I love the chemistry between Audrey and um, George Pappard, I guess. Um, and he is just, oh, just the way he looks at her. You know, he watches her, especially the scene at the end when they're in the rain together and she's just like, you know, treating him like shit and she doesn't know what she wants to do. And he just looks at her and he just, oh, my heart breaks. Uh, and she goes, oh, cat, where's cat? I can't find cat. And then cat comes back and that movie just brings out a lot of emotions in me about a girl who doesn't know what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay, well, okay, then a modern film, I, I have to pick two then. If I pick a classic, I'm going to pick a modern, uh, Reality Bites. Ooh, Ooh good choice. That is a really good choice. I like it. And Ben Stiller, and uh, what's his face? Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke with that hair. Oh mm-hmm. my God. Just you and me, cigarettes and conversation. I have a, I have a couple of weird choices. Um, of course you do. And there's no surprise considering what we've talked about in this podcast. The Troll in Central Park? <laughs> yes, David. The Troll in Central Park. <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> um, yeah. The Princess Bride. Mal-ish. Shocker. I Clearly. am legitimately shocked that you've said The Princess Bride. Right. I mean, it's only my favorite movie, and it happens to be like... That's a, mo- that's a movie you watch all year round, though. Yeah. Okay, fine. Garden State. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. What? A little wow. dark, but nevertheless got a really good heart to it, right? I'm not going to lie. I feel like a... A, a less of a Garden State fan for not saying that as my answer. Well, you should. I actually <laughs> just listened to your guys' uh, podcast about uh, Garden State. Largeman's Ark. Yeah. yeah. Garden's Ark. Awesome. On my way through the ba- through the backlogs of Nerds on Film. It's funny because, like, I, I've never actually watched a movie on Valentine's Day when I've been with somebody. It's always been, it's only been when I'm single. So it's kind of, kind of interesting. Aww. I don't know. Yeah. Sarah's <laughs> making, you can't see, but Sarah's <laughs> making this, this motion of... 
somebody just crying while masturbating at the same time. <laughs> I don't think it. I don't think it's a question of somebody. I think Sarah was mocking you. I'm gonna get permission from a coworker to say this, but. He told me what he was going to do for Valentine's Day, and I was like, that is stupidly cute. He's been with his girlfriend for five years. He said, basically, we're probably just going to go to some Chinese restaurant like we usually do, get a bunch of uh, food, come back, and just kind of get under the covers and just like fall asleep with a bunch of to-go boxes. Oh, that's so cute. But uh, at at five years, do you know what she really thinks is happening is a proposal, and it's not going to happen, and she's going to get pissed. And if you you actually cynic. And if you actually do have a bunch of to-go boxes in bed with you, it's going to be awfully sticky. Mm -hmm. That was my first thought. Nothing nothing has to say that they're open, and they they weren't talking about having sex. They were just talking about falling asleep together. No one brought up sex. That's boring. Even though we were all thinking it. that so well maybe you can use the orange sauce as lube oh wow (laughs) (laughs) sex and diabetes (laughs) i'm gonna be watching house of cards on valentine's day that's what i'm doing you and me both yeah oh my god can we have a b-day date oh no you you have a boyfriend whatever so wait wait wait. so you want to watch kevin spacey in while you're okay i'm i'm planning on we're making grilled cheese sandwiches we're watching House of Cards and yada yada yada, yada then bed. <laughs> I believe yada yada over the best part. No, <laughs> no she didn't. It. It's fine. <laughs> we all get what the yada yada is. Sean, what's your favorite uh, Valentine's Day movie to watch? There are two movies that I watch on Valentine's Day. It's depending on the year. Since I've been with my current girlfriend, the movie we watch on Valentine's Day is Natural Born Killers. Natural because born killer. people killers. used to refer to us as Mickey and Mallory. Aw, that's cute. Which is cute No, it's not cute because we used to go to bars and start mayhem. <laughs> wow. That's adorable. I like it. It is adorable. That's a story we killed many people and much, much <laughs> very good things happen. <laughs> Sean, okay, I knew so I liked you for a reason. <laughs> so, You're, okay. the you classic one? movie, though, that I like to watch on Valentine's Day is Casa Blanca. And I'm going to, sorry, I think you're a fucking liar. I, I feel like Whoa. this is this is a cheap segue. Is it? Is, are you for real? Are you serious? Well, Brian, you fucking made me be last. How the fuck do we segue without me saying Casablanca, dickbag? <laughs> There's your answer. <laughs> I'm just saying that maybe we could, I know, say Casablanca, you say, say, and on that note, everybody, welcome to New York. <laughs> and that's how it goes. Oh my God, can we please keep all of this in? <laughs> sure. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nerds on Film. I'm Sean Moriarty. I'm Brian Moriarty. I'm Sarah Ashley. And joining us tonight in the Nerd Cave are not one, but two guests. Oh my God. Our old Nerds on Film regular, Dave McGuire. Hi, everyone. Old as fuck. And gracing yeah. us with her presence once more. I'm back. Rocks. Rocks no berry. In fact, we haven't actually been able to get her out of the nerd cave I've... since she was here last time. She's <laughs> she's looking a little scraggly. She could I'm... probably use a shower. I'm, I'm, she's a a I'm back for more. She's made of Fort Aver blankets and Star Wars toys. It smells of, yes. of, of dying peaches. <laughs> and what wow. I can only imagine is... Mulch. <laughs> no, I Peaches love... Peaches and mulch. <laughs> okay. It's so a nice new thing. oatmeal flavor coming out by Quaker. <laughs> Dying peaches. Let me, mm. let me clarify. Peaches and mulch. I, I love... Quaker. Just eating that. Hmm. God, Need some cinnamon. <laughs> so. I love so. Oscar season. I love you guys, so I'm glad to be back. 
Oh, absolutely. Well, Oscar season is my favorite time of year next to Christmas. Me too. Because they watch all the good movies. Yes. So, hey, well, Crash was great. It's a great movie. I didn't say I'm, it wasn't. I'm totally lying. It's an so, awful movie. It's oh, not I love, awful. I love Fuck Crash. you, David. Well, it's not awful. Okay. However, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should save that for another another episode of of best perhaps, pictures. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps we should, Dave. Perhaps the great Crash. I'm just debate. saying. Yeah, <laughs> Crash sucks balls. Indeed. Um, hey, we are talking about Crash Bandicoot, well, right? <laughs> hey, Sean, I actually have a question for you. So. I, I actually knew you weren't kidding when you said Natural Born Killers. Do you really have a second? I'm curious. I don't really have a second. I've watched Moulin Rouge okay. in the past on Valentine's Day because this crazy bitch that I used to date was obsessed with it. Doesn't stop me from liking it, but <laughs> those were dark years. What? But uh, if I had to pick a romantic movie, this is going to sound really weird, but Bye Bye Love. Huh? Oh. Yeah, I it's a movie about a bunch that. of guys who are divorced, and they and there's awkward situations. It's a Rob Reiner movie. There's awkward situations with them picking up their kids, and some of them are trying to rekindle things with their wives. Some of them are trying to hook up with their friends' wives. Who are it, It's a really good movie, though. You should see it. It's got Paul Reiser, yeah. Matthew Modine, Rob Reiner, Randy Quaid, Eliza Dushku's in it. The kid who played AJ in Empire Records is in it, but I can't remember his name. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um uh Janine Garofalo is in it as well. Johnny Whitworth was AJ. Was he the was he the one that was in love with Liv Tyler? Yeah. Okay. I think there's also a, a an uncredited unknown Jack Black in it too. Interesting. So um we just had Valentine's Day and it's I think it's really fitting because there's a best picture winner that also happens to be probably one of the best love stories that's ever been shown on film. And that is none other than Casablanca. Titanic. Oh, Casablanca? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I watched the wrong movie this week. <laughs> well, shit. <Yeah. clears throat> wait, wait, wait. You're saying that Rick doesn't freeze to death and Ilsa isn't on the door? Get out. That's not? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. But there's still a handprint on the window, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> they get dirty. So, I mean, let's be fair here. We've never talked about a movie that's been earlier than 1975. That's, that's because most of us were born in like Bullshit. the late 80s. We're my- I know. We did a whole Wizard but of Oz episode. That's the only exception to that rule. The only one. So I'm glad that we're, we're bringing it back. We're bringing it to... And the Wizard of Oz one was about multiple adaptations of Wizard of Oz. So we also talked about The Wiz. We also talked about Return to Oz. We don't have to defend it. It's okay. We're talking about Casablanca now, which came out in 1942, correct? We're yes. ageists. I believe well, it's forty two was and the then, world premiere. Forty three is when it was released in America. So And forty four is when it won the Oscar. Yeah. For best picture. So Nerds on History. There you go. <laughs> uh, Casablanca <laughs> was I'm gonna have to do a correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but Casablanca was one of those years where early on in the Academy's history, it was one of uh, ten nominees again. Yes. I for the research I, I looked it up just to kind of see who it was against, to see if I'd maybe viewed any of the movies. And it was a long list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised. That, and I forgot that, yeah, they used to do 10 way back in the day. And I think it was around the 50s that they, they decided to, to, five, they yeah. cut it to five. And it was from that point on to about God, like I don't maybe know, like five, years years ago? five years ago. Yeah. It says that, this was the last year until 2009 to have 10 nominations for Best Picture. The Oxbow, Oxbow Incident is, as of 2014, the last film to be nominated solely in that category. Damn, Roxy with the knowledge. So what other Boom. movies was it up against? It was up against A For lot. Whom the Bell Tolls, okay. Heaven Can Wait, The Human Comedy, In Which We Serve, Madame Curie, The More the Merrier, The Oxbow Incident, The Song of Bernadette, and Watch on the Rhine. I've only seen the song of Bernadette other than that one. And that's I've actually seen a great movie. Nothing but Casablanca. I'm familiar with uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, but I haven't 
And I'm familiar with so having can wait. Time. But we digress. So Casablanca. Casablanca. I, mentioning actually one more thing about the list of uh, Best Pictures nominees. Um, we said For Whom the Bell Tolls, Ingrid Bergman was nominated for Best Actress, but she wasn't nominated for Best Actress for Casablanca. So two of her films were up that year, but she was nominated for yeah. a That's very one. interesting. Can I just say how hot Ingrid Berman is? Oh, yeah. It's, aside from that, though, her... Hot maybe is inappropriate. Gorgeous. No, it's okay. not hot. Absolutely. No, hot is appropriate. I just watched it five minutes ago. <laughs> I, what I'm, what I'm so caught up with in this movie is, is really two things: the script and the acting. Mm. Thank you. That's oh. really what boil, what it boils down to. Because, um, as you know, Brian has mentioned a few times before, this is really considered one of the few perfect movies. And what? To addendum that, Brian has also said that this is a quote unquote near perfect movie okay fair I'm enough just, I'm just saying he also this says that he wanted to remake it in space but still <laughs> okay so well, that was a what? joke I know um, Space of Blanca's no, a joke and, no I don't want to live space anymore Space Blanca no, no Space Blanca uh, there have been okay so and interestingly to note there have been other films that have been based off of Casablanca very loosely because you can't really do Casablanca without looking like a a fraud. A cheap remake. Yeah. You mean, you mean you don't want to look like Gus Van Zandt? Oh. Psycho mm. reference. Vince Vaughn was pretty awesome. You that. said it, not me. So, I'm just I'm just saying. Shot for shot, man. I know, I know. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, actually, I don't even think that would happen. If you were to actually remake Casablanca now, I was just saying this as I was watching it um, last night, it would be bloody. I really feel like they would have more dead bodies dropping and stuff like that of other yeah. like people well, being taken away by Nazis. What's yada, funny yada. is that like in the eighties, mm-hmm. somebody submitted a script to um, at least there's a story that goes around Hollywood. I don't know if it's no, true. No, it's or not. true. I read I, that. Yeah, I yeah. Read it too. yeah, they submitted it to uh, a couple studios, and the writers who read the script without knowing it was Casablanca, yeah, because they left the title page off. Yeah, um, said it didn't have enough sex or it was too boring and things like that. And yet, it's also considered one of the best scripts ever written. They didn't um, leave the title page back. off. They 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 put the title title everyone comes to rick's from the original script which was right so let's let's talk about that for a second so casablanca was actually originally an unproduced stage play called everybody comes to rick's um we had a couple of minor differences to it um what it was a sex joke just keep going okay (laughs) or the porn version everyone comes to dick's Uh, everyone everyone comes comes in rick You and Sarah, two peeps. Oh, <laughs> defacing a classic already. <laughs> oh my god. Love, um, know, love knows no bounds. Yeah. He is looking at you, kid. I <laughs> 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 so, oh, no, it would probably be so, changed to here's being in you, kid. <laughs> the play Everybody Comes to Rick's was written by Joan Allison and Murray Bennett. And uh, they were having a hard time getting it produced on stage. So they eventually started shopping around the studios and finally Warner Brothers took it and they actually they they had uh, the Epstein brothers Julius and Philip rewrite the script and just make adjustments to it because there are things like it was originally set in Lisbon they wanted to set it in more of a neutral territory such as unoccupied French Morocco and the kind of the rest is history from there I mean there was to the point where even Ingrid Bergman didn't know that it was adapted from a play because uh, it was such an obscure piece and in fact, it didn't even get produced on stage until 1990, 
or so, oh. and it was only produced in the UK. It's never been on an American stage. Interesting. Yeah, and yeah, it's one of the best American films. It's kind of an unusual situation. Well, I mean, honestly, as an American audience, do you really want to see something like that be translated? Like, would you want to go see it on stage after already having a particular image in your head? About that, I mean, and that's how I kind of feel about a lot of stage plays. And granted, I'm kind of going off on a little tangent here, but you know, when you have something that's that's so iconic and so embedded into the American lexicon, right? You don't want to, at least for me, I wouldn't want to go see it on stage and have what I already have in my head be destroyed by what I'm seeing on stage. By, I mean, granted, I'm sure it would be a fine performance, but I already have like this image of how it should be. I sure. think the farther away that you get from Casablanca, because there's so many people out there who have not seen it and who are younger, you know? And even though there's things like... And some people who won't see it on the principle of the fact that it's an old movie, too. Sure. You guys are Those assholes. people should yeah, die. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have any strong opinions on that here. Um, not at all. Go fucking watch it. <laughs> but aside from, here's looking at you, kid, and play it again, Sam, which is actually a misquote anyway. Thank you. Yeah, aside from some of those particular things, or this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship, like, yes, those things are ingrained in the lexicon, but that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody knows where they come from. So I think a play could potentially be successful, but, you know, give it another 20 years or so, and, you know. The Michael Bay will reboot it. <laughs> oh, dear God, no. I Guy Ritchie, maybe. <laughs> I personally would love to see it on stage. And you know who I should love to see play rick george clooney i would love to see kate winslet play um, oh yeah Yeah. i think i think they could pull it off so let's talk about the acting here because humphrey bogart and ingrid bergman were just work impeccable impeccable yeah unbelievable work the the looks that ingrid bergman just gave just being silent were just heart-wrenching and you could tell that there were just layers and layers of emotion that she was running through in her head and Humphrey Bogart when he's just sitting there this is right you know right before they go into the flashback scene when he's He's just drunk in the bar and he's brooding and he's slurring perfectly and he's got this glisten of tears in his eyes and he's just angry and he's heartbroken and he's sad and just saying you can play it for her you can play it for me and just oh yeah it's amazing and what what do you say in all the gin joints and all the and all the gin joints and all the towns and all the, the world, world she had a walk in a mine. Yeah. I will admit, I didn't see this movie until maybe about six months ago. Maybe yeah. a little bit longer. At my recommendation, I believe. Um, sure, I'm sure. At you the world's it, recommendation. But, but it wasn't it wasn't really like you pre- anyways. It was playing <laughs> it was playing at a local theater in an old school theater. And so oh, you, oh, you, uh, th- you saw it at Stanford, didn't you? I did. I went to see it. Oh at my god, best place to see it too. So my girlfriend and I went to go watch it and I'd never seen it before, right? Oh, and being so a film perfect. person, right, it's almost like you've never seen it's like saying you've never seen, you know, Citizen Kane, which you know, I haven't, but it's on my list. Um, you haven't? I know. <gasps> Different conversation, guys. Sean. Different conversation. Wow. Pre- prepare David music. for it to not be the best movie you've ever seen. Because that's what happened to me. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, I actually was kind of underwhelmed by, by Citizen Kane. But it wasn't the best. What, it was good, but it wasn't the best. What I will say is, honestly, he gets so much credit just because they're Let like, finish. what if we move the camera? Which was huge in the day. Hey, hey, hey. Dave wasn't done. Let him finish. No, 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 no. That joke was priceless. That was well done, Sean. <laughs> Guys, what if we put wheels on the camera? And move it left oh, to right. They, but they, 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 I mean, they, there was movement. There what? Was movement in Casablanca. Burn him! Um, Burn him! Heresy! Heresy! <laughs> Why the church elders? <laughs> but I, I saw it in 2013. Right, it was last year that I saw it. And having watched it for the first time in this, you know, in, in 2013, the film is so timeless and so 
perfect in my mind that it brought tears to my eyes at the end when he has to finally say goodbye to her. Oh, yeah. You know, when she's saying, like, no, I'll stay, and, like, I, I, I don't want to go, and I want to finally be with you, and he's like, you're going to regret if you do, and he has a great speech. I don't even want to try to attempt to, to repeat it. But just the fact that that movie... As maybe a, not today, maybe not tomorrow, but someday. Yeah. Right. But the fact that it had that, that it's we'll such an older film that has such an emotional impact, even to this day, says something about that movie. To me, that, that smells perfect, that it can still have the, the correct moments and beats to make you just so engrossed within that story yeah. and just so wrapped up in, in, in what these people are about to go through. To me, that's just absolutely perfect. Sarah? Well, and it's brilliantly successful at being a movie that's pretty much entirely about closure. Mm. That's, yeah. really what, that's really what the theme is, is just getting closure on a relationship. Oh well, it's, it's also, it's, that's one of the themes. I think another theme about oh, it is um, okay. it's about fighting for what you believe in, too, right? Mm -hmm. Rick Blaine is this character who he says throughout the movie, he sticks his neck out for nobody, and yet, the entire say. movie, he does it. He's yeah. doing it in small little ways. He's kind of the, the badass with the heart of gold. He's you know? subtle. But he's exactly. but, it's his, but it's his slow transformation from this recluse, angry individual and how this woman coming back into his life allows him to actually start to feel again. Like, it's the one... It's, it's not the only one. It, it is about closure in that regard, too, yeah. I he's mean, hanging on to all this I mean, feeling of... Since we're talking about this, yeah. let's just talk about Rick Blaine. Let's talk about Humphrey Bogart. Okay. Sarah. Nobody else could play that character like Humphrey Bogart. And here's the one line you, that you proves try, it. Yeah. yeah, well, here's the one line that proves it. When she's got the gun... Spoilers. When she's got the gun pointed at him... Sir, and it's been like 70 whatever, years. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> and he said he walks closer and he says, here, let me make it easier for you. Walks closer to the gun and he says, I've got nothing else to live for. No, he doesn't. Imagine he says, if, go ahead and shoot. You'll be doing me a favor. Right. Okay. You're sorry. Oh, You'll be doing me a favor. Man. Imagine no, go Hayden ahead Christensen and shoot. saying that. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. Wait. No. Here's the point that I'm trying to prove is that Humphrey Bogart played that manly and rugged and great. But that is a... That line said by anybody else hold would on, be whiny and emo. Hold on, hold on, hold on. George Clooney saying that line wouldn't have worked. I think it totally would. I'm have. sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I 100% I, I agree with you, but your analogy to say Hayden Christensen completely destroyed any like whatever power you point had. being is just because you could have gone with anybody. I wanted somebody whiny. <laughs> I wanted somebody whiny. Star Wars. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yes, he's one of those Star Wars of lobotomy. <laughs> Shia LaBeouf fucked over Indiana Jones. He's so. not famous anymore. Let's stop talking. Yeah, about that's right. We don't what like about it. John Hamm? Oh. Mm. No. No. No, but no. no. It's He's brooding, sure, mm. but that's all he is. Okay. And, I'm, and I don't mean that in any disrespect. I like John Hamm. I think he's a funny guy. Yeah. You know, but I don't think that, I don't think that he can reach the levels that Bogart did. Sure. And I know it sounds like we're just like, you know, masturbating to Bogart's legacy, but I mean, it, it's, it's true. There's he also like, has like a really natural pout. But yeah. Bogart, so Bogart, this was, okay, let's think about it for a second. This almost wasn't Bogart. The studio originally wanted Ronald Reagan to play Rick Blaine. That's crazy. Well, that's debatable, yeah, Brian. That's debatable. It is that's debatable. Rumors. Never, it's rumors because we don't, we will never really know, but and that was one big rumor. And all the I think they, joints she had to lock into mine, just say no. Yes, I okay, it's not the best no. Reagan. But you get <laughs> it's points. not the best Reagan. I'm like, I kind of feel like that's George Bush Senior too. No. Wait, wait, I think wait, wait. Brian can do better. Of all the gin joints in all the places in all the world, she had to walk into mine. Why are you Why Irish? 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 I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> it wasn't wasn't trying to do it. Right? Right? No, 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 that's Colin Farrell as Rick Blaine. 
fair. No, no. the joints in all the world. She had to walk into mine, and then Run he proceeds to throw a bunch of pieces of stained glass at, at her. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead and shoot. You'll be doing me a favor. There you yeah. go. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Who else besides Reagan was... Uh, I think was, they also... I, I, I don't... I don't. Was it John the, Wayne? It was No, no. I think maybe Clark Gable, but I don't think that was... Aaron's uh, looking at you, yeah. kid. Um, and Brian, I think what you're getting at is that this was the first time that Humphrey Bogart had ever done any any kind of romantic role. He had been like a gangster or, uh, or a detective or some kind of criminal. This wasn't what I was going to get hit. I that, like the fact that a lot of actors in this uh, did Maltese Falcon and how they yeah. followed up Casablanca was basically a follow-up for that. Yeah. And actually, one of the actors in Casablanca, um, he played the bigger guy, uh, Sidney Greenstreet as Signor Ferrari. Uh, Maltese Falcon was his first film. He was a stage actor in New York initially, and right. Maltese, Maltese Falcon was his breakout yeah. role. And oh, then wow. he got this role in uh, Yeah. Well, I think the thing I was going to get back with with, with Bogart um, was that of the films he's done, this one stands out so much because it just is so subtle. And just the way he delivers the dialogue, he really had this character figured out walking into it. I think when you think of Bogart, yes, because he did all these noir movies, he has a certain sense of elegance. But that's also because of the time period. That you know, It was not uncommon for you. You wouldn't walk out of the house without wearing a suit and tie. But nevertheless, he brought this, like you said, he had this masculinity to it but he also had this elegance to it this kind of suave wit about him and it stands up with like brando and stands up with some of the best male film performances and particularly with the scenes with claude rain some of the dialogue between him and renault is like it is some of the best dialogue ever on film to to add on to that that and, and to kind of echo what sarah said when he comes back into the bar uh after it's closed down for the night and he has words with sam right and it's that whole speech about like you can play it for her it's just his pitch and his delivery and it's just absolute dedication to those lines like you don't see bogey when you're up there you see rick it's true and you see this and it's specifically in those lines you see this just absolutely heartbroken individual who is finally starting to let a little bit of his own pain start to leak out a little bit in those lines to sam and then, of course, the song is played, and you have the th- the wonderful flashback. But it's just God, yeah. God, Bogey's great. <laughs> and in that flashback, you see a totally different Bogey, where he is young and jovial, young, lighthearted. He's happy, even Naive. though yes, they have their secrets. Both of them do, but he's it's still so much lighter. So you really have the good juxtaposition between, you know, a man at his height and a man that is broken. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful (laughs) it's tragic and it's wonderful and then having that again kind of parry off with ingrid bergman and and how and her performance because she also mastered subtlety and what she's still learning english when she was doing this part too wow right yeah that's cool and she also kind of has this kind of whole uh, something about her i think still stays pretty naive throughout the movie yeah. Um, you know, especially at the end where she's, you know, she can't choose between Rick and her husband and she's like, make the decision for me. And, you know, that I'm not going on a feminist rant about this. But <laughs> um, but what I will say is, like, there is something that's still very childlike go. and still very naive about her that it makes her a very sympathetic character for a lot Absolutely. of people. I like how Roger Ebert puts it. He says he paints her face with his eyes. Yeah. Oh, every, God, yeah. God, every time so she looks good. Like yeah. yeah. And to go back to Roxy's point for a second, I mean, yes, you, you're talking about Bergman and Bogart, and they, they obviously make the movie. Their relationship is the crux of this movie. 
But there's really not a bad actor in this movie. Peter Lore. Peter Lorre. He, even though he dies a little early. Ugarts, right? Yeah. But he... Refresh my memory. Who's Ugarty? Peter Lorre. Ugarty. Ugarty. He's the one who makes Rick hide the uh, transit visas under the piano in the beginning of the film. Oh, the one oh, who gets the, uh, like yeah, taken like out the, the when like, he's gambling. The, yeah, 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 the kind yeah. of like a snarky guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to see Reek. an amazing performance by him, watch Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah, with Cary yeah. Grant. That yeah. is a fantastic. He was a Bond villain film. too, wasn't he? Yeah, was he? Um, so Peter Lorre, maybe later on, but. Um, and he was also in the Maltese Falcon. He was also in the Maltese Falcon, yeah. And uh, Claude Rains, who was the Invisible Man. Uh, if you, <laughs> if you, you listen uh, to me first in the Gimme Gimme's, Rocky. you know that. Exactly. Uh, or, 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 I'm sorry, the Rocky, the Rocky Horror Picture Show theme that the me first in the Gimme Gimme's did. Yeah. Delete that. Strike um, that. Reverse it. Uh, Willy Wonka reference. Dude, he was Le Chiffre <laughs> in the first Casino Royale oh, film. Oh, really? That's oh. the Woody Allen one, isn't it? So he was, what's that? The first Casino Royale movie? Yes. The, the parody one with Peter Sellers second. and a bunch yeah, of other Yeah, Peter Sellers and Woody Allen. Uh, television adaptation of Casino Royale opposite Barry Nelson oh. as an American oh. Jew. Uh, in the spoof film version of Casino Royale, British yeah, comedian the... Ronnie Corbett. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I knew about that one. Played the Chiffre. Interesting. Yeah. And you got that, you've got... Um, I mean, everybody, every person who is in Rick's nightclub, I mean, they all have these great moments. I uh, like the waiter who's trying to talk about going to America. I remember there's a bit where he's, where he's with the couple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> can we, so good. Can we, the German couple where the they're just like, what watch is it? <laughs> or, can we, or the, or the, uh, watch. <laughs> or the, uh, the, the bartender who's trying to, who's macking on a French girl. And there's a whole the, bit. The where Russian bartender. Yeah. yeah. And there's that whole bit where they're, where he's getting angry cause he's hanging out. She's dating a German soldier. And it's this, there's actually this whole back and forth in French that is legitimately like, what are you doing dating a German for? It's none of your business. It is my business. And this whole, it's, <gasps> can we just yeah. for a second, talk about the amazing scene where, where Rick finally, for the very first time sticks his neck out for somebody and he helps that young couple, the Bulgarian couple. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Number 22. Yeah. yeah. That 22. is when, for me, again, watching it the first time, that's when I really fell. Like, I, I, I like this guy. I was willing to let him take me on a first date. After that, I was thinking, I'll take my pants off for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And to go back to Claude Rains for a second, Renault, I loved how he was always, he always had his hat off to the side a little bit yeah. to show that he was a little crooked. But particularly that scene, I'm shutting this place down. Why? I am shocked. Shocked to find there's gambling at this place. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you. He <laughs> yeah. is the best comedic relief in this film. Absolutely. What's so great is the balance of, of dramatic tension of not only just this relationship, but of also the occupation. Totally. But then you have like these great like comedic bits that are genuinely belly laughing funny. Absolutely. Let's make it 10,000. I'm only a poor corrupt politician. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. What's the significance of um Rosebud? I don't know. Oh, shut up. Of Signor Ferrari like, cuz you've never seen it. <laughs> when he every time a scene ends with Signor Ferrari, he always smacks a fly with a Oh my god, water. that's awesome cuz you cannot end a scene without killing something, clearly. This is true. Oh, just to show that he was living I mean, he was this he's this big wealthy guy, yet he's also his whole blue parrot is just a shithole. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, that's what it is. If you look at how elegant and clean Rick's bar looks compared to the blue parrot, it's, the blue parrot's basically a, I can't even think of the dive word. Dive bar. It's, to, it's a total dive bar, exactly. Yeah. A Moroccan dive bar. We were going to talk about significant scenes, um, just scenes that we love with Laszlo when he goes over and um, they hear the Germans singing oh, the yes. National Anthem for the Reich. French sing-off. And then with Laszlo going over and having them play the French National Anthem and it In was just 
beautiful beautiful like i i remember the first time seeing that movie when i was a kid and that scene was what i remembered yeah. when i got older i just love that scene the scene that sarah's talking about with the french nationals <laughs> actually a lot of the people that were in that scene were refugees from world war ii yeah. and the yeah. tears that they had in their eyes were real because especially the girl that played yvonne <sighs> She was somebody who's a refugee from France, and the tears were real. Like they, that was actually a really powerful scene for all the actors. Everybody yeah. was really crying, and you yeah. felt and, that. And, and I also, ironically, a lot of the the actors who were playing the Nazis were were refugee German Jews too. Yeah. So yeah, awkward. So, yeah. Well, I think they were doing it for a point because they wanted to. Right. This movie, considering when it was made, right? America was trying to ignore. What, the horrors that were going on in, in in Europe. Yes, we were involved in the war, but we were we had heard rumors. We didn't want to believe that the Nazis were being as bad as they as they said they. This movie addressed saying. the elephant in the room. Exactly, mm -hmm. and to have a studio film do well, there's really only studio films at this point. But to have a movie do that at this point in time is really awesome. Like it's definitely a political movie as much as it is a romance movie. And I think it's something really important to keep in mind too. I guess when I was watching it, you know, you really do get a feel for the time period when Laszlo's saying. I was in a concentration camp. And he kept saying, he's like, that time when I was in one of the camps, that time when I was one of the camps. And looking at back at that now, you just think, holy shit, how did you get out? How did you possibly survive that horror? And, um, you know, the, he's got the scar on his face and he's got, like, white in his hair, you know, and, and you're just... I don't know. It, it's kind of one of those things like maybe because of the time period, maybe they didn't quite understand the severity of the situation. Yeah. But um, it was still one of those things that just kind of really stood out in the movie yeah. as a really powerful point. But, and yet Victor Laszlo is, is this huge moral paragon because yet despite all of those things he's endured, he moves on without a, without a second yeah. thought because yeah. it's this moral obligation he has. So um, just to kind of give people who haven't watched it, because if you haven't, go fuck yourself. Say hello I mean, seriously, if more than ever... Stop listening to this podcast right now. Go watch it. You can get it on Amazon Prime. Go to iTunes. Go whatever. See this movie. Stop listening. Seriously. If we haven't already ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoopsie doodles. Sarah, you mentioned something about um, color in Victor Laszlo's hair. And I think it's funny that we talk, if we could talk about um, the colorization controversy. Mm. Because uh, apparently it was there was a colorized version of it made in the 80s. Very controversial, yes. One of the yeah. And so much so that the, the copyright was given a unique version to the Turner organization because it was so different. It lost a lot of its uh, allure, apparently. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, you look at some certain scenes and you see a lot of the uh, film noir influences, with the, you know, the blinds and the black and white contrasts. And there's one part where um, you, they go into Rick's office for the first time and he walks into his closet and you see just the, uh, the shadow of Rick against the wall as... Um, he's going as into the safe. As, yeah, he's going into the safe and Renault is talking to him and you just see... <laughs> Rick going through it and all you see is a silhouette and you love it and you can't imagine it in, in color and they're just having like a full-on conversation I, I oh, again yeah. I was rewatching it last night and I was like that is remarkable cinematography totally. I love that when well, it was just beautiful they yeah. do not make movies like this anymore and the opening sequence when they're chasing him through the bazaar totally some of that was so forward-thinking the way they shot that movie with the angles they were using and the things they were the the action sequencing of that you never saw that in a 1940s movie before you didn't see that until at least 20 years later not unlike Citizen Kane actually with some of the, the cinematography in it. I'm sorry what <laughs> yeah that's right go see that fucking movie wow um so before we uh I mean I know how much we're like nerding out on this movie but let's talk about the plot real quick and if if so Shanzi buddy tell us what the plot's about well 
Um, <laughs> it starts out by explaining to you kind of what's happening and how people are escaping from Europe to get to the new world. And the what wasn't true in the real world, the but was true world. in the movie. Yeah, is uh, well, that's how they described it in the movie, Sarah. Uh, Casablanca, I know, which I just find it really funny. <laughs> Casablanca was in French-occupied Morocco, which was a place where people yeah. would go in order to Una- get unoccupied. on a plane or a boat to Lisbon to get to America. And then the movie happens. There you go, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> shit the, happens, people the, get hurt. The, and, the most um, important part is that learned. two German spies, basically, are murdered. Couriers. Couriers are murdered, and they've gotten these two... Visas. Exec- exit visas that are signed by General de Gaulle himself, the guy who is leading the unoccupied part of France, and whoever's name's on it, basically, it's unrefuted they get passage to wherever. And, uh... To Ugar- America, most importantly. Yeah, exactly. Ugarte brings those to Rick's bar. Uh, it's brought to his attention, and he's to hold on to them, but in the process of that, Ugarte gets killed by the Nazis. So... Rick because is now, the Nazis are there rounding up any suspicious characters. Exactly. And so now Rick is has got these two exit visas and doesn't know what to do with them when who should walk in. But His ex-lover. And who happens to be married, though you don't find this out at this point, happens to be married to the man that has been told that he should not grant any, do any favors for Victor Laszlo. So. Well, he was told by the Germans, don't, don't do any favors for basically they're trying to keep him there right because Lazo he's is, he's a is, resistance leader yeah yeah and leader of the cause and he was in the concentration camps right before france was occupied by the nazis so it was during that time when rick and ilsa met each other and fell in right. love and she because she thought, she thought that her husband dead. was dead yeah and uh it's kind of interesting because he's leading the french resistance but laszlo is actually czechoslovakian uh as well not so anymore it, or, or exactly quote. right you were czechoslovakian yeah right? ah. my favorite scene is um that when you mentioned um ilsa and victor laszlo coming back to him coming to rick's place for the first time uh and ilsa asks sam to play the song mm-hmm. and as he's playing as time goes by and rick comes back and i told you not to play the head and then he sees her and the first shot of ilsa's face when she sees rick oh god God. Tears, right? Tears. Just, oh my God! You can just have to imagine the depth that uh, she had to go to to access that kind of emotion. And oh my God, you just fall in love with Ingrid Bergman right at that point. That's like my favorite part. <laughs> totally. This is one of those things where it's it's entirely about facial expression. I mean, going back to Bogart again. I know we've already talked enough about <laughs> about him too. It's just that we can jerk off again. It's been a fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Recharge. <laughs> we, we, we had a Snickers. <laughs> a Snickers? Oh, yeah. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Hungry? Why wait? <laughs> um, Here, have a Snickers. Is there so many times where you can tell that he's hiding something, but it's so it's so subtle? If everyone ever needs to take an acting lesson about what's it like to act on the camera, these two actors do it because Amen. they express everything without even having to say a word. Okay, so I want to rock the boat. Okay. Just rock, rock the, boat. the boat, don't rock, rock the boat, boat baby. baby. Rock the boat, don't so, tip the boat away. Prior to us starting recording tonight, uh, Sean said that this is a near-perfect movie. I contend that this is a perfect movie. So I want to know what you feel makes it a non-perfect movie. I've got a couple of things that now that I've watched it a few times. The things that I, I think are problems with it are also, strangely enough, part of its charm, too. Um, the editing at some points... I think they cut too early in, into some of the shots. Okay. okay. 
And again, that's really, really nitpicky, to be honest. It, I was going to say. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah. Like, that's the... This is nerds on film. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> that being said, some of the shots, like the whole bit where they're driving, it's behind the screen. Granted, 1940s, that was the effects budget they had. Go on. Okay, okay. Yes. Okay, 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 okay. Go on, go on. I'm listening. I'm okay. listening. I'm genuinely listening. And, okay. Okay, 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 okay. I would say story-wise, there's no way not much that I can say about it, because the story itself is incredibly solid. Um, wow, David. <laughs> you didn't know you didn't have a pocket <laughs> there? Why would it go in my boob? <laughs> that was so wow. funny. Oh, God, Sean, you missed it. Uh, David tried to, sorry, folks, just illustrating here. Dave tried to put his iPhone in his non-existent shirt pocket, so it's just him rubbing it on his chest, he's basically. He's, he's so just like, right he's now. like, I don't know what's happening. Why isn't it going in there? <laughs> Uh, oh god dave has the giggles he's lost it he's laughing so hard he's quiet (laughs) dave Dave, make sure you're breathing please please don't die don't pass out oh he's crying (laughs) he's sweating he's crying he's a hot mess oh my god sean i wish you could see this this is unbelievable oh boy (laughs) The more you know <laughs> with Dave McGuire. Brian, <laughs> go. <laughs> Thank you. Listening. Uh, so we okay. So I mean, other than the editing and those those other kind of bits that I felt like are eh, like they're 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 cliche, but they're cliche because of this movie. That this movie was the first time it was being done. Those devices of like the flashbacks and stuff. Flashbacks nowadays are cliche because of the times that this movie did it basically fair but the thing is i'm i'm seeing it from modern eyes so right i'm never gonna be able to see it from the perspective of someone in the 1940s walking in and seeing it like no one's ever done the story before that being said seeing the camera move for the first time i mean right exactly so the things i have to say are are i fully recognize they are incredibly nitpicking and ultimately they're also part of what make the movie what it is understand that you know editing has changed since then the effects have changed since then mm-hmm. It's one of those reasons why, really, this movie can't be made exactly the way it was nowadays. It just, it wouldn't work under today's standards. It actually, it needed to be made at the time it needed to be made. Yeah, they could just make a snowboarding movie version of it called Out Cold, starring Jason London and Zach Galifianakis. I can't believe, I was, like, <laughs> See, I mentioned that when you said that. One of the times I was on the show, I mentioned that, and everyone I know. looked at me as, like, I was fucking stupid. I, I was, I was, I, I you do remember you mentioning it, but it was like, I can't believe it. It's actually true. And barbed wire, apparently, barbed too. Wire. Barbed wire was loosely based, but they said it in the future with kind of a post-apocalyptic... But, but Sean, so Sean brought it up. Is is barbed wire the Rick character? <laughs> I don't know. I, I just read online that it was that barbed wire was loosely based on it. I haven't seen barbed wire since I saw it in the theater opening weekend because I was, you know, like 13 or 14, and I wanted to see Pam Anderson's boobs. I wasn't paying attention to the yeah. story. Yeah. <laughs> There are similar tropes and similar characters. Yeah, are you wait? So remember. was was barbed wire your thirteen going on thirty? Yes, actually, kind of. Wow. Great. Dang. So the reason that I thought that it was a nearly perfect movie and not a perfect movie is one okay. big thing in the movie that bugs me from the first time I saw it, and even until earlier today when I watched it, is that it makes no sense that Strasser and the rest of the German soldiers don't just arrest Laszlo immediately. Like, he should have just been scooped up immediately. They, they, they only made the story the way it was so that they could add drama and make the, the movie longer. They could have just scooped him up right then. I disagree. And here's why. Yay, discourse. 
because given the political climate that they were in unoccupied French Morocco, this is not Vichy France, they don't have as much sway there, that they couldn't really do it without Renault's say-so. And Renault wasn't going to do it. Also, keep in mind that this was written while World War II was still happening and we didn't have yes. that much information. True. They were So eight. in that context... You know, we didn't exactly know how they were operating at the time. I really think that the only flaw with this movie was simply how yeah. uh, Strasser died at the end. I thought yeah. that was a pretty pathetic looking death. I yeah, mean, that was kind of a bad cover up, wasn't it? All yeah, I didn't like this. It. That was also the first, suspects. like, uh, that was also the first Greedo shooting first situation because when they first filmed <gasps> that movie, when they first filmed oh that movie, God, Humphrey right. Bogart said, All right, Major, you asked for it, and shoots him right as he's calling. And it, he doesn't actually pull a gun first. They edited that back in and reshot it later to make it look like he pulled a gun first. Yay, censors. Wow. Rick shot first. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> actual the trailer that, the for the movie, the original trailer for it, shows the scene where he just shoots him outright and says, all right, you asked for it. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, I, mean, I actually have a t-shirt that says Rick shot first. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to murder somebody, murder a Nazi. That's all I'm going to say. So, Brian, what were you <laughs> saying initially? Wow. <laughs> Brian, what well, you film way? advocates murdering <laughs> as long as they're neo Nazis or the Nazis proper, you know. Because wow. <laughs> so the Gestapo. Sean, I'm just going to say one more thing about your point. The Nazis had not conquered Morocco yet, so at that point in time, Strasser and his group was only one small group of, of Germans. Yes, they probably could have done that, but they also would have created a lot of uh, turmoil in that area. And as it was, the Nazis were having a hard time holding that part of the war anyway. Eric, if you are listening, uh, write us or say it on the next... We actually just talked about this last night when we were recording. The Nazis had a very hard time holding Africa uh, during World War II. So uh, it is a very it actually was shape. It actually was a very undetermined... <laughs> it's a little slippery. It was, <laughs> it was a very gray area region uh, as far as being... What? Nothing, don't worry about it. I'm not jokes. laughing at what you're saying. I'm laughing at the imagery of a Nazi trying to hold on to Africa like it's soap in the shower. Fair enough. This episode is brought to you by Farside. Yeah. I'm just, that's all I'm going to say. So Anybody okay. else yeah. think how, look at how awesome the map at the beginning of the movie looked? You're like, wow, that map does not look like that anymore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I will say that to me, I feel like this movie is perfect in the sense that we've already talked about how perfect the script is, right? I mean, perfect dialogue. Not one line ever feels like it's a forced line. Not one line feels like it's out of place. And, I, I'm, and I'm strictly going... And the story going, itself. Right. Okay. And I'm going strictly based off of like the actual film and, and, and the story and the script, right? The acting is perfect. Sure, there are nitpicky things, right? I mean, but you're also looking at it, as Brian said, from 2014 eyes, right? Going back, whereas film has progressed so much since 1943, you know, editing has become cleaner. Uh, special effects have become We're better. We're in the future, Dave. It People don't drive cars as if, like, you know, they're moving the wheel back and forth from left to right. To or know, they actually watch the road driving. when they drive. Right, there's that, too. <laughs> but also, I think you can still look at... You know, having seen Picasso, you can still appreciate The Last Supper, if that makes any wow, sense. Wow, yet another like, callback feel... to the Nerds on History episode that just came out yesterday. Really? Did wait, 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 I wait. Didn't I'm sorry. Wait, are you calling Casablanca a hodgepodge mess that kind of looks like a face? No, oh. I'm calling Casablanca The Last Supper. So what's... So what, what I'm saying is, is we can look at a film having seen... 
like even though we're changes that have been made yes, to art like, and yet still appreciate for the time that it was made thank you thank you for saying that better more than my metaphor could apparently I just didn't know who was Picasso in that situation. College. Mo- modern- <laughs> College. College no, was I'm, Picasso. I'm saying, I'm saying like, <laughs> like <laughs> modern, modern film and how that's now evolved. Okay, the, Picasso is 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 color and action sequences and CG and da 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 da. da. And the Last Supper is and Rosebud. And Rosebud. And, no. and the Last Supper is no Rosebud. Rosebud would be the Mona Lisa. Do you? <laughs> Did anybody else notice everybody's pants were hiked up to their tits in this movie? I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah. Even Ingrid Bergman's pants were no, hiked up. Well, no, she, she had that like, like she had that hiked up long black skirt, which I totally dug, but it was Girl, with that god awful paisley shirt. What are you talking about? She was gorgeous. Everything she wore was gorgeous. I wasn't a fan I, of the black and I, stripe. I'm one. sorry. I liked the black and striped yeah. white one. I didn't. I didn't I like the, the paisley nightgown. shirt with the fl- 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 Okay, this it is was a I like 42 for God's sakes, folks. <laughs> Folks, okay. folks, folks. I didn't like that they were smoking. We are now, didn't they know that would now, kill are, them? <laughs> fucking A. We have now started discussing the quality of the costume design. Oh, we're getting in, in it. We're in getting in it. Casablanca. I really mm. thought that the lace on her shirt was a little bit misplaced. <laughs> Personally, I thought the production design in this movie was actually spectacular. <laughs> there was actually a number of scenes where they painted the shadows onto the walls. <laughs> That's true. Thanks, you Alan. You think I'm joking. It's actually found it very true. That's, that's actually very true. I will say, though, to kind of echo back... Oh, wait. I think Roxy had something to say. Nah, no, yes. No, I think maybe. we're just talking girl stuff. We're talking shit. By wow. the way, this was one of the last times... In the, they used to have a Best Assistant Director Academy Award. Oh, my God. And <laughs> along with stunt doubles, I think they should bring that award back. I'm just saying. I, I think they also should get an uh, Academy Award for Best Moroccan Lamps. Moroccan <laughs> Lamps. <laughs> it would have been, been a was... special one-time award, but this movie totally won it. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first year of the Golden Globes, by the way. Um, oh, the right. 16th uh, Oscars was the first Golden Globes. But I will say back to... Wait, no, I had a point. No, it's gone. Nope, it's gone. Moroccan <laughs> lamps? Did it have anything to do with Moroccan lamps? Let's go back to what I wanted to say. I think that every guy, and even females, right? I think even guys and girls, everybody has a list of like actresses and actors that if they could, dead or alive, if they had an opportunity to have any form of physical relationship with them. Gene Kelly. Them? Right. Gene, <laughs> wait, what did you just say? If you want to bone them, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about boning them. Okay. And I'm saying that Ingrid Berman, am I saying that properly? Ingrid Bergman, yeah. Bergman. She would be on my list. She is a gorgeous I, woman. I know what you're saying, Dave. I would bang Ingrid Bergman now. I just need to find a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, save me. As inappropriate oh, as it would be. Um, good point, Sean. I, I, I don't understand why. why <laughs> good point. Macrophilia is a good idea in this case. <laughs> We have defiled the movie twice now. Yes. <laughs> Wait, when was the first defiling? De- defiling? It was like, it was like eight minutes in. It was like when we first started. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, can I talk about the music? Please. Do it! As, so, time as Time Goes, goes by. by was uh, composed by... Well, it was performed by Dooley Wilson in the movie. Yes, Sam. Did he actually sing it? Because it sounds a lot like Louis Armstrong. No, he actually sang it. All right, I got it. Dooley Wilson was a. Are you saying that all black people sound the same, Brian? No, I am not, Sean. Let me go to my initial point. Before you make your point, point, I just want to say that to to piggyback on what Sean just said, 
Samuel L. Jackson is not Lawrence Fishburne. Mm. <laughs> Go on. What? As time goes by. <laughs> Shit. As time goes by. Was composed by Herman Hupfield, which was a part of the original play. And it says that... Oh, this is cool. This is Steiner had wanted to write his own composition to replace it, but Bergman had already cut her hair short for her next role and could not reshoot the scenes which incorporated the song. Yeah. That's so cool. And that doesn't sound like a coincidence. That sounds like she did it on purpose. <laughs> and of course, that song was also, is now also the kind of the jingle that you hear for Warner Brothers. Yeah, they right? made it their uh, theme song. Thing. Right. David. What do you get? David, when you said it sounds like she did it on purpose, I'm just imagining Ingrid Bergman getting a call like they want to change the song and then her just glaze eyed looking into a mirror, shaving her head with flippers. Nobody's taking the song away. Dead eyes. Um, Ingrid Bergman, the first Britney Spears. Can we talk about Empire Records did it first? Dude, that's also the Empire Records when she shaves her head. Yeah. Right. That's Robin Tooney, right? Yeah. Uh, Oh my god. I I love as time goes by. They're never going to ask me back now. (laughs) You know, I I have actually, I have somewhere on my computer a uh, Jimmy Durante version of As Time Goes By, and it's just so good. Can I have a normal version? Can I talk about for a second Michael Curtis for a second, the guy who directed this movie? So, first of all, he was born in Hungary back when it was still the Austro-Hungarian Empire. And Hungary was invaded and conquered by the Nazis. I think this movie was a, was very personal to him when he wanted to do it. And I think that's also why a lot of the movie, the actors who were in these films are were Europeans who had to come to America for the exact same reasons. They were fleeing from the Third Reich. But let's talk about some of the movies this guy has made. He made The Adventures of Robin Hood, the Errol Flynn, Olivia de Havilland Interesting. movie. Cool. He, he also did White Christmas. Is that a Christmas movie? I can't... I don't remember. <laughs> is that Harold is that, and Kumar go to White did we, Castle? Did we discuss that part already? Um, he I did the... Uh, <laughs> Shut up, David. <laughs> the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. One of the, the, the early version of it. With Brad Renfro? <laughs> really? The Tom and Huck version? The one with JTT and Devin Sauer? I'm kidding. No, I, I, I mean no disrespect, no disrespect to Mr. Curtis. He also did uh, the... He also did a couple of things. He did the remake of The Jazz Singer back in 1952... And they did uh, a remake of the Jazz Singer. Why would you remake that? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, Wait, the Jazz Singer? Did they did do a remake of that with, with Danny them? Thomas? Yeah. No, but then there was one with um. There's another remake with like Neil Diamond or something. Yeah, but I don't think it had the same effect as like the one <laughs> that was quite. in 1929. No, it probably wasn't yeah. blackface. Uh, <laughs> Neil Diamond in blackface. Oh God! Google that shit. <laughs> he also made uh, Night and Day. She got the way uh, to movie cherry. <laughs> and Yankee Doodle Dandy, the whole George M. Cohen uh, hey, story. the Yankee Doodle Dandy. I mean, case in point, Curtis did a lot of classic movies that we, you know, he made a substantial contribution to film, and Casablanca is just one of those movies. I would say, I mean, just based off the list that you read, probably his magnus opus. And rightfully so, because, I mean, it, that was the one that won Best Picture. Right? I believe he also won Best Director. Yes, that. he did. Can yeah. I can I just pose a question? Because you guys did this when you guys talked about Young Frankenstein, and I think you did it a couple of other times during Mel Brooksuary. While we have said that this movie is kind of untouchable because of, you know, just of what the movie is. Could we make a Samuel Jackson version of it? No, let's not. Samuel <laughs> uh, Jackson's one-man cast of blank. <laughs> <laughs> you can play it for her! You can play it for me! Oh, please. Play the goddamn song! Let me do a line of Samuel Jackson. <laughs> do it! Please 
guys go. Okay, I want you to say. Oh wait, Sean, look at the look at the quote where he says, "Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow." That's what I'm doing right now. Whatever I got it quote. printed out right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, this is happening. I'm so happy. I feel like it's you Christmas. You guys ready? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. We are born ready, bitch. Born. I'm saying it because it's true. Inside of us, we both know you belong with Victor. You're part of his work, the thing that keeps him going. If that plane leaves the ground and you're not with him, you'll regret it. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. Can we? Can we? I feel like there needed to be a few more motherfuckers in there. Can we? Can we please tweet this to Samuel L. Jackson? That's great. Lewis, I, I think say, this though, is the beginning yeah. of a beautiful friendship, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Too good, man. Oh my god. Old. What was Holy your original shit. question? I guess my question was gonna be if you could recast it, who would it be? And I'm saying like if we were if we were bad studio execs. And you were uh, just going for like marketability, basically. If, if if we were studio execs, who were just kicking around this idea, going like, "Hey, you know what would be a good idea?" I got one. Josh Duhamel. No, uh, wow. Tom Hiddleston. Jesus, as I'm Victor Laszlo. Oh, Victor Laszlo. Yes. As Tom Hiddleston Ilsa. as as, as, as Victor Laszlo. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, that's fine. Just the hairline. Uh huh. Pretty who much. Is Ilsa? Uh, Kate Winslet. I'm Kate Winslet. Okay. So if we're going if we're going for the bad casting of it, I mean, I already said. Well, no, okay. I think I think we've already agreed that in this reality. Any casting other than what's already on the screen right now is bad casting, right? So you can go for anybody. If you say Hayden Christensen, I'm throwing you out, Sarah. I'm going... Why would I say that? Because you said it before. I was making a point, David. <laughs> Your David, point sucks. David, 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 David. Channing Tatum is Rick. <laughs> I'm kidding. Mark, Mark Wahlberg as Rick. Oh my god, please. Now let me do this one. Hey, here's looking at you, kid. Say hi to your mom for me. Hey, Ilsa, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she had to walk into mind. Say hi to your mother for me. As she gets on the plane. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but someday. Say hi to your mother for me. I feel like this is going to be the start of a beautiful friendship. Say hello to your mother for me. Uh, Matt Damon uh, as Rick. Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. But not good Matt Damon. Team America Matt Damon. Uh, Matt oh, no. Damon. Oh, no. Maybe not good today. One. Oh, no. Stop. Stop. All right. Okay. Uh, I have two choices for Sam. Okay. One oh, obvious God. choice. Morgan Freeman. I want to put him in everything. Uh, well, clearly. Only if he can uh, sing. This champagne sure going to take the sting out of being occupied. <laughs> You can buy plenty other? of champagne with Visa. Or honestly, this is going to sound crazy, and I know he's only a comedic actor, but somebody who I think has the chops, who can sing, and who would actually do a really good job if given the chance, is Kenan Thompson. Sh- Tracy Morgan, that oh. case. Oh. Tracy Morgan? I you were going to say Kevin Hart. Tracy Morgan. Rick, I don't want to play the song, Rick. <laughs> That's Tracy Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you oh, tell oh, me not to play the song flat for 30 years, Rick, and then all of a sudden this German bitch come in here, you Sean. want me to play the song? I'm not playing the song, Rick. <laughs> Sean, please. That's Tracy please Morgan do, and Sam. Please, for the love of Christ, please do a, a, a your own version of those lines, but as ladies' man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is out of control. I don't right have now. any great Sam quotes. Will someone pull up some quotes and tell me? Hold on. Let me look up I, on my phone. Okay, can I just... I'd like to see Christopher Walken as Captain Renault. 
personally. Really? <laughs> I would. And so, Sean, if you wouldn't mind, let's do a... There's a bit, there's just a little bit where how can you close me up on what grounds? You pick up Rick and I'll, and I'll do uh, Ronaldo's walking. All right. <laughs> how can you close me up? On what grounds? <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked to find there's gambling going on in here. You're winning, sir. Thank you very much. Everyone out at once. That was actually not that great, so. No, it wasn't. Thanks, um, Brian. Sorry. I appreciate that. <laughs> We apologize to the say, listeners the guy... for what Brian just made happen. <laughs> he made doo-doo. <laughs> wow. Thank wow. you. I was going to say, the guy. if we had a cast sir. now, uh, the guy who gets the passports at the beginning, I forget his name, uh, the character name. Oh, it's uh, um, Ugarte. Ugarte. The guy who played Doogie Howser's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> wow. As the Peter Laurie character. Doogie Howser's best friend. Because if you look at him, he's still got either like that, that or the dude like... that played Crutchy in Newsies. <laughs> <laughs> they have the same face. That is so random. That one Italian guy that I saw down the street from my work, he looks like he'd be a great thief of passports. Sylvester wow. Stallone as Ugarte. <laughs> you despise me, don't you? If I gave you any thought, I would. Schwarzenegger as Rick. Oh, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, not today. Yeah. Not tomorrow. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon. Get to the plane. Get to the chopper. Get to the plane now. They are coming. The Germans are coming. No. They sound a lot like you. Pay no attention. <laughs> That's how I assimilate with them. I sound like them. You get on the plane now. You will not tomorrow. But maybe soon. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we do appreciate you uh, suffering through our uh, our wonderful. We have defiled another cinema classic. It's the Sean Show. It really is. It is. If you've oh, not shush. seen Casablanca, I know we said it before at the beginning. Do yourself a favor. Rent this movie. Watch this movie because if you are even just starting to become a cinephile, or if you've been a cinephile your entire life. This needs to be in your collection. Because if it is not, you will be a very sad, sad, sad person. <laughs> the pathetic film nerd. Yeah. Wow. That was, that was oddly specific. Yeah. All the above. All the above. All the above. <laughs> this is, um, you're probably still in your mom's basement, aren't you, you fucker? This... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is... Um, all this of a is... sudden, we became your subconscious. <laughs> oh, shit. We just got deep. <laughs> This is a movie that I remember. I remember about ten years ago, I'd always wanted to see, but never had the opportunity to watch it. And then one day, New Year's Day, I was sitting at home, and it just was. It was coming on, and I was like, "Now is a good time as any." And it was just, I was stunned at like that how captivating this movie was because I'm not really my taste for older movies is not that strong. Like, I, I have a hard time getting drawn in. This movie drew me in from the very, very beginning, and a movie that can do that after seventy years. That says something. And the fact that it's still on the top 10 lists yeah. of AFI's top 100 films of all time, and has only been downgraded by one movie. It was number two, now it's number three. Thanks to The Godfather. Thanks to The Godfather, yeah. It's uh, Citizen Kane, The Godfather, and Casablanca. Yeah. So. What? Yeah. Research, but, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Drop and walks away. <laughs> That's me right now. Um, it is definitely. Maybe it that is, should be the name of the episode, Research Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Actually, I kind of like that. Uh, it it is required viewing. Yeah. It is required viewing for any cinephile. And if you do it, it, do it now. Go. I swear to God. Amazon, oh iTunes. God. I swear to God, Dave will come to your house and take one of our mics. He will shove it up your ass. We've been threatening a lot of people lately. In, in I'm just saying. Podcasts. I'm just saying that if you're listening to this podcast and you've not watched this movie, you're dead to us. Oh, I'm so fine stop with me, even I'm though you're totally dead. Sean, Sean okay. backs me up. Because if you heard like, what I said like, earlier, totally you being dead won't stop me from getting to you. <laughs> So not only will Dave be your demise, but I will be the thing that happens after your demise. Uh -huh. I can assist on wait, thing. Wait, wait. I can attest to that firsthand. Oh, oh no. Sean the Defiler. Sean. I, well, he gets to go inside me all the time, so I found out where his grave was, and I did what I had to do. You have that light and tingly feeling, right, Sean? Tit for tat, oh eye for an eye. Um, I love classic films that throw shade at World War II and the Nazis. Specifically, my favorite film is like one of my favorite films is Sound of Music. Mm. And uh, if you don't, the Carrie Underwood version, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the Carrie Underwood version. I have that on repeat. Um, no, I, I mean, believe you. You think about how these films are so close in time to the actual event itself. I mean, they're living it. They're in the war itself and so they have no guarantees of what's going to happen because they're during they're all surviving during this incredibly tumultuous time in history right so the fact that they're able to you know do films like this and have social commentary like this and i mean just look at the themes of casablanca and what they talked about and i think it's all really important and that's why you know films like this should be preserved and really honored and that's why i love casablanca because it just does such a good job Absolutely, yeah. Well, listener folks, feedback. Listener feedback. Yeah. All right. All right. So I'll keep up. Feedback from David uh, McGuire. Don't know who this guy is. Not sure if he's important. I bet he's ugly. <laughs> oh wait, is it Dave? <laughs> this Dave? Maybe. Yeah, I was. Right. Oh, okay. You okay. Just oh, like text uh, us instead of doing an email. He says. I'm kidding. I'm listening to the newest yourself. episode and screaming. As Brian predicted, at my phone, here's my two cents. You said that the Oscars are political. <laughs> That's a fact. Case in point, the Academy would rather see people tackle racism clumsily and predictably in Crash rather than embrace that love knows no gender like in Brokeback Mountain. Forrest Gump is the safe choice for the Academy. It's the film that makes you happy to be a red-blooded American as this idiot savant guides pop culture and stands in the foreground of some major political and social issues. Its intent is to make you feel for the everyman in his triumph over personal and outward adversity. The Academy eats that shit up. It was a movie that took no <laughs> risk thematically and was very paint-by-numbers in terms of filmmaking. Powerhouse cast, well-trodden subject matter, etc. That's why Gump won, because it's safe. Pulp Fiction never had a chance because, as you mentioned, it's too outlandish for the voters at the Academy. It's too outside the box with the subject matter that frightens them. The fact it received a nomination said to the world, Quentin, you can make a hell of a movie, but there is no way in hell we're going to name it Best Picture. Shawshank, I feel, was, as Sean said, perfect. The nuances of Tim Robbins' performance, the speech about how hope is a dangerous thing uttered by Freeman, down to the two-faced, out-for-himself Clancy Brown. The film is a beacon of hope and how even in the darkest of days, if you hang on to that, you will see the light at the end of the tunnel. 
There is growth from Andy and Red, whereas Forrest doesn't really grow as a character. He's just there, just meandering through scenes. Couldn't have said it better myself, David. I fucking wish you were there last week. As we said, art is subjective. Do you, do you and this an merely, plus on your essay? Yeah, as we said, art is subjective, and this merely is my opinion, but the film that was a box office flop, Shawshank, should have been the Cinderella story of 1994. I didn't realize it was a box office flop. Yeah, it was a box office flop. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you make, it, make an excellent point, Dave. Before we wrap up for the night, I'd like to... Uh, we need to offer a moment of silence, because we lost not one, but two legends this week. Uh, of course, Shirley Temple Black, who died at age 85, of natural causes, uh, in actually in um, not too far away from us, about 30 miles away in, near Redwood City. And then uh, the great Sid Caesar passed away just today at age 91. So, here we go. Please tune in to us March 2nd. We will be doing our live Oscar podcast. You can also follow us on our social media. Live uh, Oscar podcast, bitch! Woo! Uh, through Facebook and Twitter at Erdonomy. And of course, you can follow us on our personal Twitters. I'm at Brian Moriarty. I'm at Sarah Ash 16. I'm yes. at Big Sean Moe. I'm at David C. Maguire. And you can also follow Roxy at... Uh, at Roxy Noberry. And uh, please, by all means, go to Nerdonomy.com and sign up for our second annual Oscar challenge. Thank you. Oh. Roxy, as always. Thank you, guys, thank you, again. thank you, Roxy, for being on yet again. I we, love we, you guys. I'm happy to be here. And uh, until next time, stay nerdy and tune into us next week. Same nerd time, same nerd channel. Nerdonomy.com. Bye. Movie quotes. Bye. Bye. And roll credits. And now, famous movie quotes you should not say during sex. In America, they bring only a penny, and <laughs> I guess that's all they're worth. Well, I'm willing to be overcharged.